kind of came up with the three C's because that's what we do in education. We come up with like acronyms for things. So I came up with, we're going to commiserate, we're going to collaborate, and then we're going to community, which is not a verb, but we can, we can turn it into one. So, <laughs> so the, the first one I thought just in that, in terms of that commiserating, I mean, I think Jeff, Jeff and I were talking a little bit before five o'clock rolled around, just what's going on? How has the response to all of this craziness impacted you and your school situation? For, for example, here real quick, my, my school, we, we were currently scheduled this week for spring break anyway. So it's been a really weird week to go from, you know, Friday we had off. This whole week was supposed to be scheduled off um, to tonight. Our board is having an emergency meeting to decide what do the next three weeks of year learning look like or not. And right now it's looking like we're not going to be able to have any sense of you know, e-learning, we're not going to be able to require any kind of attendance or any kind of instructional activities um, for those kinds of things. And in fact, the state has made any requirement to make up school days. And they're, they're talking right now about waiving requirements for teacher to make up staff time. So they might just hit the reset button and say, after May or after April 12th, if that's as long as things go, we'll just have the rest of school as we normally would. And and just kind of wrap up the year but I, I know that's not the case everywhere so so i don't know who wants to chime in first but um if you if you would like to you can kind of um what would it be uh take a tour of jitsi real quick by moving your mouse around the screen and there's a little hand raise icon in the bottom left hand corner um that that would probably prompt you know prompt uh, us to maybe call on you but since we're we're a pretty um small group here we can you might just be able to um start talking and and basic rules of human decency might let you proceed so <laughs> i don't know who wants to get going on that i i can jump in just because i'm the the polar opposite um so we've shifted to be a hundred percent virtually and online um there's like pretty much the day the governor announced that we're shutting down all schools for three or four weeks um, a couple of days later, now we have all of our classes online. Um, however, it's not like a, a complete one-to-one -one shift. It's super flexible, which is it's actually kind of neat. Uh, so we have classes in the morning if you want to go to them. But if we know in advance you're not going to be there, it doesn't count against you. Uh, so we have like this weird, like flexible hybrid model of doing some things, but not a lot of stuff while still maintaining some structure for the students that want the structure. Um, which I think is actually working quite well. Um, I, not to sound like too cocky about it, but I actually think our district's doing a really good job handling it, um, which is not necessarily unexpected, but it's cool that it's happening. Especially when I hear what's going on in your district, Nick. Yeah, that's been that's been interesting. Um, yeah, I, I I think that if we weren't on break, things would be different, but it's been a little stressful because district's kind of taken that attitude that since we are on break we should just treat it like we're not in school and they'll kind of figure it out from there but at the same time um you know all all of my usual coping mechanisms are closed so uh, i can't go to the gym can't go to the coffee shop can't go anywhere else so i just sit here and wonder and worry about what next week's gonna look like so um so that's been rough and and so skylar i don't know you know what uh what your kind of plan has been up there in Highmark? What do you what do you guys got going on? Yeah, I think we're we're closer to you, Nick, uh, <laughs> than than to Chris. That's for sure. Um, we were supposed to start spring break next week, um, <clears throat> so we were supposed to be in school right now. Um, and over the weekend, uh, well, Friday night last week, the governor closed all schools uh, in Wisconsin, and. So they had to come up, the district came up with a plan for students to report Monday and Tuesday in Marquette County, because um, there's still no cases in uh, the county where my school is. Um, mm. There's plenty of cases in Dane County where I live, um, second most in the state after Milwaukee. Um, but wow. uh, we were supposed to, we're supposed to have kids Monday and Tuesday, and then, uh, then basically they extended spring break uh, by three days. Um, so spring break officially was starting yesterday, um, but halfway through the day on Monday, uh, as the situation worsened and the 10 day or the uh, 10 person limit uh, was announced and all that stuff, well, limit in quotes, um, 
the, they decided to tell kids not to come in on Tuesday. So we all scrambled to like shut things down on Monday. Uh, and then teachers came in on Tuesday for about half the day. Uh, but they really kind of wanted us out of the building as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah. Cause they're kind of nervous about having a large crowd. Um, so we got, uh, so I'm on spring break officially right now. Uh, and we've been told not to really do any planning work um, over spring break uh, and to really just use it as a break um, because we don't know what's happening. Um, the plan that was uh, in place, at least the, the last plan that we know of, so I guess the plan that's still in place is that the week after spring break, um, March 30th, will be uh, extended learning, um, supplementary learning for kids, um, which it means that we don't have to provide uh, special education services because it's not required um, regular learning. So it's like review stuff uh, in the district. And for us, we just are providing, you know, uh, some online office hours where we'll be on Google Hangout stuff and, and able to talk to the kids. Um, but then we're that was based on the theory that uh, the governor's order had said that schools would be open no sooner than April 6th, uh, but now that just got extended yeah, Tuesday to say like, as long as the uh, public health emergency lasts. So, oh. uh, and we haven't heard anything since then. So we'll, we'll see, <laughs> it's kind of a, uh, we're in a wait and see weird, weird position too. Man, and, and, and I think that wait and see has been I know in Chris's case, I, I, and I've, I've texted him many times, like, what does Ohio know that the rest of us don't? But Ohio seems to be ahead of the curve in terms of like a, a, a future awareness of where this could be. Because yeah, right now our, right. Plan, our plan is the same. Anything beyond like April 12th is a black hole. Like we don't know what that transition looks like or if we're going back, but it sounds like a lot of places are planning on not, there's just not yeah. going back, like they're done. Yeah, I mean, we were told unofficially to take home anything that we might conceivably need before the end of the school year, just in case. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. That's that's wild. Um, I don't know. Feel free, <laughs> anybody else, to chime in too. And... Sure, I'll, I'll be happy to. Well, yes, to Jeff. Talk. Uh, I, I'm from the Chicago suburbs, and my district is in a, a pretty fortunate situation. Uh, I mean, when and everything's happened so fast. I mean, Wednesday morning, I thought it was was business as usual. And then, you know, by Wednesday night, and the president spoke and, you know, Thursday morning, our board had a meeting and things moved pretty quickly to how uh, they changed this current week to uh, Monday as an institute day for teachers to figure out what what their e-learning you know, uh, scenario is going to be. So our district is, is an iPad district. So all the students, it's a high school only school district. So uh, all the students have iPads. And so the rest of the week, Tuesday through Friday, our district is in a position where we built in emergency days and we haven't, we, there were no cold days like last year, no negative fifties. So we have all four days that we're available to, uh, to, be, able, to be able to use. And then spring break is next week. So mostly it's just really about trying to figure out what does your new classroom look like starting on, on March 30th. Okay. Like, like giving you guys that buffer to get to spring break so you can figure out what to do. Exactly. To exactly. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's actually, it's very helpful because I mean, yeah. there you have your initial thought like Friday, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And then the, the more and more worse the situation the health situation gets, the more I'm rethinking everything about what it is that that I'm going to be doing. And on top of that, I'm a social studies teacher, but I also am an advanced placement teacher. Mm -hmm. And so there's still some uncertainty about that. And that would just fundamentally change uh, what it is that I'm going to be doing in, in that situation. Because I believe tomorrow the, the college board is going to announce how they're going to set up AP tests, or at least we'll get some information on AP tests. So okay. that's another thing. It's like if, if AP tests are on, you know, teachers and students throughout the country have a lot of stress in dealing with how they're going to prepare for them. If they're not, then the course couldn't can take a different direction. 
Yeah. And I teach AP European history and I'm in the same lurch as you because, yeah, if it, it doesn't matter right now for me if kids take them in a building or if they take them at home, I'm missing three weeks of instruction. So, you know, how can you expect some kids in the country who might be missing the rest of the semester or even the kids missing now who uh, will be in session at the time that their, you know, test is scheduled? Yeah, I, I just, and I don't know what your thought is on that, Jeff, but but I'm leaning towards just offer refunds and pull the plug and just say ex exceptional circumstances or something, you know, um, it's it's a wild thing. It's just like just like anything, they're waiting to the last minute to yes. really make a decision. But if I go back on on March 30th without an answer on on that, that would be that's going to get stressful for for a lot of teachers. Most, I mean, obviously the students first and foremost, but then teachers running around trying to see what they can do to make their classroom better and so that the students can be prepared. And then it just becomes an inequity issue because you know the privileged that have their own devices, that have internet access, yes. are going to are gonna be the ones that are more prepared than than those who don't. And, and even I think of the, the guidance that we've been given so far has been don't post any materials right now. Um, and online learning it the guidance from the department of education has been online learning will not be or can't be a requirement so any materials that you do post have to be voluntary anyway so yeah again i think the people who are going to be able to access those materials are the ones who are maybe already have those advantages right if i post ap you know videos or if i post a, a dbq prompt who's going to be able to respond to it since you can't go to the library and access the public wi-fi or you can't go to the mcdonald's you know and sit down and do that work so yeah i just if they if if they could just announce that my preference would be to to put those things on hold um and then i can shift my class for the rest of the year to focusing on something else like but right now trying to make up that crunch just seems seems a little bit uh seems crazy to me so yeah i don't know uh, uh commiserating are we still on the first c commiserating <laughs> um who else wants to chime in we got we've got andre and we've got tracy i'm put i'm calling you guys out we've got robert uh we, who else have we got in here we've got a bunch of anonymous people and that's cool too thank you thank you for joining us um you know, I probably said this several times, but this is the the most adult interaction I've gotten. I've got my five year old and my two year old upstairs stomping around with my with my wife eating dinner. So um, this is this is cool. I want to hear, you know, what what are you doing in your context? What how has this impacted your life? Um, this is Tracy. I can talk. Tracy, Hi. how Hello. are you? Well, you know. I'm not on camera for a reason. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, two things. One thing is I work at LSU Med School and okay. tomorrow is match day where all the fourth year med students find out where they're matched in their residency. And it's mm. a really big deal and it's a celebration. And, you know, we have students from LSU Med School that have matched into the general surgery program and we got little baskets and everything for them and now it's canceled mm. so there's no celebration and they get to walk across stage and last year it was really awesome because what they do is they each carry a one dollar bill and they call out the resident um, the fourth year students in random order and you get your envelope to find out where you match and you put your dollar in a basket. And when the last resident is called, he gets to keep the money. <laughs> so it's like, because he's had to wait so long. So it's like, you yeah, know, okay. all of my point is like the ceremonies and everything that for four years they've been working towards their graduation from med school, all of that is shelved. And you know how it is with high achievers. If y'all are with the AP students, you know how AP students are. So these kids are the former AP students who are now in med school. They've been wanting to be doctors since they were in kindergarten. And like the most important day of their life where they find out where they're going to do their real crucial training and graduate from med school, you know, all of that is canceled for them. Right. So that's, you know, really disappointing. Um, I also teach at Ball State University. And I have to say that I'm already online. Our autism and ABA, which is Applied Behavior Analysis program, is already online, a lot of classes. But we do have 
in campus um, classes. And I'm really impressed by the urgency and the swiftness that the president took to not only like make sure that everything was communicated to the students in a timely fashion, but on Canvas, are you familiar with Canvas? It's, you know what Blackboard and Canvas are? Yes, yes. So on Canvas, every faculty member has this emergency portal on how to keep like continuity in their class and all kind of resources on there. That was like up and ready like a week ago. And Monday, we're having a like forum and everybody can log in kind of like this and we can find out about disability services. Obviously our department knows about that, but there are a lot of students who have disabilities that on purpose take the in-class, you know, on-campus face-to-face uh, classes and now they're, you know, online, which is so difficult for some of the disabilities. So they're gonna have a big forum to discuss how to make those classes um, more accessible. So it's kind of like an accessibility issue for some students. Very good. Yeah. I so think, that's, yeah. I was just going to say, I think, I think that's something too, that has been that the, the, the idea of accessibility um, is one of the things I think that at in Iowa is leading to um, some decisions by some districts to not have online instruction, just knowing that it's going to be more difficult to make those accommodations um, than, than it is not. So it's not having training in that is going to be really difficult for teachers to say, well, okay, I need to, I need to both train in how I can have this online software meet a general education audience. But then I also have to train in how can I have that meet these kids with a bunch of other different accessibility needs, you know? So, so yeah, it, it is interesting to think then how that shift is going to risk further marginalizing people who, um, who, you know, do benefit from those, those in-person environments. And, and I think secondly, too, you, we forget the, the impact you mentioned of like that, those ceremonies and stuff. And I know, um, it's it's kind of a, a a smaller thing in the in the scheme of things, but we had like our boys basketball team go on and and win state basketball in Iowa, and that was last Friday, and we're not going to see them until until April, and then they called off every other you know athletic event and everything else in between um, due to that. So there's there's a lot of seniors in college, high school, et cetera, who aren't March Madness, you know, for example, people just aren't able to to go out and have those those cultural moments that they've been building towards perhaps for years, either in academic or in athletics or or in anything else. So, yeah, just some some of those things that get that get lost in the in the shift. That's that's important to bring up, I think. I definitely think so, because I always feel like everything is relative. I'm putting myself yeah. in my 17 year old mind. If my graduation was canceled if my prom was canceled i would have been yes. devastated yes. my hairdresser told me that there were girls sitting in the chair getting their hair done when they got texts that their prom was canceled oh. and they had their hair done up so oh. i agree with you i think that you know when you get to be 50 years old and you're looking back with your kids and you're telling them how your prom was canceled or how your match day was canceled, you know, that you'll put it in perspective. But when you're 17, when you're 25, you know, it's just, it's all relative to your life experiences. And I think that we have to have a lot of compassion for kids who have worked really hard for their high school graduation. And now they're going to be robbed of that experience of walking across stage and jumping up and down and their parents screaming. And I mean, that's a moment in time that is like frozen and you'll never get it back. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've really tried to just convey on Twitter and, you know, in, my messages to my Ball State University students is that I don't ever think that we should downplay that life will never be the same. I experienced Hurricane Katrina. There are restaurants that never came back. There were people who I knew died. There were people who moved away that I never saw again. You know, I was a week before Hurricane Katrina, I was sitting with some people, my football group. I never saw my friend Brian and his wife Tracy ever again. You know, that was 15 years ago, and I spent every weekend with them during football season. But what I always like to give the message of hope is that 
the new normal will feel so normal that you won't remember what this time is like. So it will become normalized, but it's a process and people are resilient. But when you're in the moment, you know, here I am in New Orleans and everything is destroyed. There's no electricity and it's 110 degrees. There's military on the corners, on every corner, making sure everyone's safe. Everything is destroyed. You know, it's like this, it's like you're in like Armageddon, like in a movie, but it's your life. And it's just such a, you know, it's such a startling change. And I think the difference is, is that it, that was like a boom over 24 hours. This is like a slow burn. And so we know what hurricanes do, but we really don't know what pandemic, you know, what this is going to be because the last time something like this happened, we didn't have all the technology that we have. Now we have so much more technology. So there's expectations that maybe false expectations or maybe we're downplaying how good it can be, but I think that's the biggest difference between me going through like this amazing like metamorphosis of my city and now being like, okay, I can still drive by a store and it's, you know, you can tell that it's closed from Katrina because they have like an X and they have a date on it and they have like numbers. And so the date is like when they went in and the numbers is like how many dead bodies that they found in the building. And then it'll say like two cats. And so, you know, you'll still drive by and that'll be a memory like, oh, three people and two cats died in that house on September 2nd when they checked it. But, you know, it's my life is normal. And I think that's the biggest issue that we face right now is that we don't know how this slow burn is going to pan out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it it's, it's, I think I, I posted something similar on Twitter too, is like, we're, we're, this will be over, but we can't go back to the way things that the way things were before. Um, whether it's, our economic system, um, Jeff and I were talking a little bit about that before we started up here, or educational system. You know, I've seen so many uh, parents on, you know, friends that I have on Facebook too, who aren't anywhere involved in education, posting pictures of them and their kids and being like, oh, this homeschool thing is working out pretty good. And like, imagine that family going back to the way things were before. So we'll like find a new normal. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's not gonna be the same. It'll just be it'll all be transformed by, by all of this, but though, though, yeah, like mitigated through the new technology that we have, like, I, I don't see any, any of this working in, in 2020 without, you know, zoom and Skype and Google classroom or any of those other connectivity tools. So um, it's, it's wild. Now, I, I don't know since we're 20 minutes in here, if we want to move to the, the second of the three C's, which is the collaborate here. So kind of moving from commiserating to collaborating, what can we, what can we learn from your response to this crisis? So that way we can all do right by our kids and, and our communities. So one thing that I've, you know, been, been thinking about, and I, I commented on this on Monday when, when the news came out in my district that I, I just wanted to get in touch with my students. So I made a quick screencast, video, just sent it out to them saying, Hey, this is weird. And, and there's no right way to react to this and we're all going to be weird in this together so let me know what questions or concerns you have and and honestly within a day i got an email from a student um that later that afternoon um that just said you know dear covington here's some things thanks for checking in it may have been an all students message but it still means a lot so you know there are still kids even now that I'm on spring break, who just need that check-in to know, you know, someone's someone's thinking about them. So content has got to got to take a second uh, a second stage to all this stuff. But what what do we think? What what are how do you want to chime in on this from your response to that crisis? What what can we model to bring back to our own context? Uh, Nick, I think you're you're absolutely right. Uh, my thought initially is, okay, what am I going to do in my class? But then the reality is, is it's about your relationship with your students. And we made it to March and that, so you've got these really strong relationships that you've built with the students. And so it's not like you can show up on the internet in a couple of weeks and say, okay, now you need to do this. And it just, it, that just seems too much of a transactional relationship. So 
like I just realized it's like, you know what? I need to, to talk to the students every every day. And I'm fortunate my district has, we use Schoology. It seems very, you know, the students seem very comfortable with it. So immediately first day I'm updating. And really there's two things I think I'm updating that's, that's helpful. And that is, again, I'm a social studies teacher. So it's talking about, you know, things we learned in economics that are like today, stimulus. I mean, we're all Keynesians yeah. now. So it's, that becomes something to, to talk about. And, and then, you know, obviously monetary policy in the banking system, what's the banking do? So we spent all semester talking about hypothetical situations and I'm talking about 2008 and the kids are like, you know, I was, I was seven. So what, what does that matter to me? And now it's happening to them in real time. So the one thing is like, can you find something, if you're a science teacher, find something in the content of the news that's, that's related to your subject. And then secondly, make it more personal. And so that's why I'm taking pictures of uh, my kids and me playing memory and, you know, and making sure that the, that, you know, they, they know it's, yeah, it's me. You know, I, I t tell stupid dad jokes and I'm still going to do that. And just each day send them. And just today I got an email from a student on, he, he had another issue that he was trying to wrap up from a couple of weeks ago. And, and last thing he said was, thank you for, for sending those, those messages, because it gives me a sense of, of direction and, 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 you know, still learning and still, you know, interacting with, with our group. Right on. And I think I'll call on Dan. How can I, Oh, how can I put Dan at the front there? There we go. Uh, sorry, I'm on my phone. I'm not, uh, not cool. Um, I just wanted to comment on, uh, was a couple of things there. One was, yeah, I agree with the last point that since this all started, my uh, my curriculum feels really small and irrelevant, and I'm wondering how to like uh, <laughs> how to incorporate everything that's going on. I'm also a social studies teacher, so I feel fortunate that uh, bringing in uh, a lot of the issues of globalization and uh, and human interaction is is easy. Um, and but also on the last point you brought up, Nick, about being able to check in with your kids and having that relationship already yeah, I agree that it's really important what happens if we're still in this mode come next school year and you don't have the opportunity to start um yeah. to start the year with your kids face to face and it's like okay we're going to start the year online so let's get to it and you don't have that relationship you're just setting up google classrooms and zoom meets with kids you've never really talked to that much uh uh, that could be if, it, if we end up going there. That's all I want to say. Yeah, I think, I think to to your last point there, Dan. I think there are some interesting um, people and some resources who work in that digital pedagogy um, realm who have done a really great job with that. I know um, Laura Gibbs is is someone I follow on Twitter who I who I trust to kind of um, fill that in too because you know there there are people who who do this work exclusively online and, and manage to still, you know, have relationships with kids and, and not to Jeff's point, you know, have it default into that transactional kind of, kind of thing. I think, I think maybe it's a little bit easier to default to transactional learning in a digital environment, but I don't think it has to, has to be like that. So I think if that's a case, then we do just need to elevate our, you know, our digital pedagogy um, knowledge a little bit and, and get a little bit more training with that. I know that would be a huge, um, loss, loss to me um, as someone who values those relationships a lot and and thinks that that's a really important part of learning. I couldn't imagine um, putting 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 something else on a pedestal and putting kind of students behind. I don't I don't think that has to go away because the medium of exchange of of learning changes. Uh, uh, it's just the tools that you might use to to accomplish those goals. Um, is different, but yeah, I think it, it is interesting, right? The, that the social studies mindset. Um, I'm looking around at the at the chat board. I'm not sure where everyone sits in that, but it is it is just so much easier to fit. Um, you know, I teach econ, I teach European history, taught taught world history, U.S. history. It's it's so easy to find those connections, um, and I wonder, you know, for some people too. Chris, I don't know if you could talk about like your your uh, your um your, you've been talking with your kids about isolation and transitioning your projects to dealing with that. Um, maybe that helps kind of bridge the gap to uh, to the last question. How are we going to balance that connectivity and the need? You know, if we're going to flatten the curve, bet, flatten the curve. If we're going to flatten the curve, that need for social isolation. How are we going to transition that into classrooms too? 
Yeah, so I, I think I'm echoing what Dan and Jeff have said as, as well as you, Nick, which is um, my class, so so we we are mostly doing digital class. Uh, the class is kind of serving as a relational tool. So the content is really just catering to students connecting with each other and talking with each other. Um, so I teach digital design. Um, we dropped everything that we were doing and just transitioned it to doing a study on isolation. So students doing things like taking pictures of what it means to be isolated or just talking to each other about, you know, what's, what's it like? What are you doing? What are some things you could do? Um, are you getting bored? That kind of stuff. Um, and for, for me that it's beyond just like building relationships for fun. I mean, our, the area in which I teach recently, like last month had the only grocery store in the entire neighborhood shut down. Um, it's a food desert. It's a pretty rough area too. Um, and you could imagine it's one thing to lose the grocery store, but now you have all this crazy stuff going on with hoarding and people not being able to get their groceries. There's no access to like a, a whole foods or anything to come deliver you your groceries. Um, so, uh, having that connection every day among students is also a safety issue, uh, beyond just like, uh, Oh, Hey, it's, it's nice seeing you, uh, to make sure that students have the connections that they need. Um, we have delivered hotspots to students, which is pretty cool. Um, so we can actually stay in touch with them. Um, but to me, the, the goal of the class is more so just to stay in touch than it is to learn necessarily any content because they're going to learn what it means to be isolated by being isolated. They don't, they don't need me necessarily. Uh, I'm just there as like a tool to talk about it. Um, so it's, it's been a very interesting time to do in a very morbid way, true experiential learning. Um, I mean, this is about as experiential as it can as you live through the crisis, you'll know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that well? And, and but that's that's what what I think is so is so interesting about this. And I think I made a snarky comment uh, on on a Twitter thread that I posted earlier about like like how how is a certain part of the education crowd on Twitter responding to this? Right, people who maybe think of think of this learning more as a cognitive event. Um, it's interesting to see how they're they're bending their own pedagogy to say, oh maybe we should focus on the common experiences of students and start with them and addressing their anxieties and, and kind of bending the curriculum to, to meet them where they're at in this. But like what Chris, with exactly what you said, like that's been the core of the work all along. So, so your shift wasn't a shift from, Oh crap, I, I have to completely change what I'm doing. You just say, we're going to recenter that same work, but on, a new aspect of our experience that we're sharing together to help us understand it. So like that's, again, maybe, maybe the social studies lens has always been, you know, let's bring a little bit of that, uh, of those current events in there and just see how, how, how does the study of the humanities or how can we use the economics, uh, the language of economics to explain our current reality? Well, we can use art and design to do that same thing too, to help us understand our connections to each other and our interactions with our community in these times of crisis. So um, I think I think our role in this is still just as much about helping students find purpose. Um, you know, the, if their purpose beforehand was to get a five on the AP test and now that's up in the air, you know, how do we how do we shift that into say, no, there's still cool, meaningful learning that we can all do together because we're we're still here and we can still um, uh, accomplish something cool in our community. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting lens to keep in mind. I don't know if anyone else has other thoughts too about, um, about that. Uh, how can we, you know, help, help build that community in those community connections in this time where we can't all be in a room together. I'll build in some wait time. Um, so this is Skylar. Uh, I, my bandwidth is really crappy right now. So I turned off video, but um, <clears throat> on Monday, as part of the like prep for being gone, we asked students to brainstorm ideas for how to support each other, uh, like emotionally and academically during uh, however long the closure was going to last. Um, and uh, we actually had a couple of kids that were not at school that had uh, that called in on Google Hangouts for that discussion, which was pretty cool. And um, long story short uh they did a couple of things one thing is that they have a google hangouts group that they created that i i the teachers are also on where they've been sharing like instagram handles and phone numbers and um uh other contact information for uh, like snapchat names and stuff um 
to keep in touch um, if they didn't already have that stuff. And then the other idea that uh, really concrete idea that they had was to implement those office hours that I mentioned earlier that um, we scheduled every day of the, you know, our, our, our schedule is really uncertain right now, but the one week that we know about, um, we scheduled office hours from 12 to four, um, where my co-teacher Amanda or I, and or I will be available and online on Google Hangouts um, and whatever students come will come and will, you know, whatever, if they need emotional support, we'll, we'll do that. If they need, you know, if they just want to talk, we'll do that. If they actually have questions about a project or math or whatever, we'll do that. Um, and the time for that was uh, there uh, was what they came up with as a group based around uh, one, you know, work schedules slash sleep schedules, um, which definitely tells you something about um, the normal school days uh, feasibility for teenagers. Ah, I'm muted. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I think too. Are, are we rushing? I, I, I've seen so many um, people post either schedules for their own kids or schedules that their districts have come up with. And and I don't know if yours is like this, Skyler or Chris, but I've seen some that have had like a bell schedule for kids to to move through where they go through different periods of the day um, and, and take attendance for those things. Um, but, but I think, yeah, you're exactly right. Like just having those flexible open hours is just a cool space to provide that lets kids meet those other needs too. I mean, I'm, I'm stressed out and I'm taking naps and I'm sleeping more than I have, and I don't have anything to do during the day. So I can't imagine how kids, you know, are reacting to that, to that change of pace too. Um, so that's, that's a wild thing. I can speak to that for a bit because we yeah. do have... Um, we do have a bell schedule and what's interesting about it is, so first off, it's optional. So if you message beforehand, say, Hey, I'm not going to be there. You could pretty much say anything and it's not going to matter. You don't have to be there. Um, it's really just like, so we know that that's what's going on. Um, and I'm pretty much one of like the least traditional teachers, uh, probably in the building. Um, and I actually kind of like it, Okay. Uh, which I didn't think I would. I thought it would be like really silly. Um, we only do it in the morning there. It's only from like basically nine to noon. Um, but it's actually adding some structure that I think the, the kids want. Um, because, because it's flexible, I still only have maybe three or four students that say anything that say that they don't want to be there when they come, we do like a face to face style, uh, class cause our district's one-to-one -one, and they seem to get a huge kick out of it. Like we just do like, like we, talk as if we were in class and do funny things and talk about how their days are going and like connect virtually. I think a lot of the kids are just bored out of their minds. So ironically, um, class has become a lot more interesting as a result of what's going online. Uh, and the classes are also a lot shorter, which is nice. They start later, they're shorter, um, and they're, they're more targeted. Uh, but the students seem to like seeing each other because I think a lot of our students they're, they're kind of like, they're not necessarily friends in quote unquote real life. They're like school friends. So seeing all of their classmates in the class environment, even though like, yes, it's a bell schedule is adding that just like sense of normalcy, um, which is something that I never thought I would say. I, I would have assumed I, I would have been in the campus just saying like, hey, let's just cut completely off from school. Let's just go do stuff with our families. Um, but it's been working out fairly well. Uh, with the key point being that we have that flexibility that you don't have to be there because uh, we have many students that, that can't. They, they're taking care of people, et cetera. Yeah. That, that's such a great perspective too, just because I would, I would think the same thing, like sticking to those rigid schedules might just be something that doesn't translate well into, uh, into like the offline or the, the online setting, sorry, the, the out of classroom setting. So, so that's a good perspective. How do I, how do I call on Dan again? Do I just, do I click on you, Dan? How do I get you going? Just say it and I come on, I guess. Oh, okay. And <laughs> uh, go. <laughs> um, uh, like we uh, we we built a lot of structure, but we also gave them a lot of um, like flexibility as well. But we, we sent out some suggested schedules to our, oh, to our okay. kids. Here's some ways you could organize your day. We have one called the rooster for kids that like to get up early and one called the owl for kids that like to sleep in. Um, and we have this whole theme, the launch pad. It's like, uh, like space oriented thing. And, 
and you know, frankly, the kids are a bit bored, and I think they're 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 gonna dig or they're digging the just having that the 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 classes back. And like um, the last gentleman said, the classes aren't as long. There's not as much work really because we still want them to. Uh, we want to prioritize their mental health, so we say things like you know, learn to cook something or you know, learn to do something that you had never done before. Uh, and uh, yeah, but there's still some structure built in because they they do want that. They're right now. Oh no, we lost Dan and he was making such a good point, I think. <laughs> we, we, we can only assume, I guess, but, uh, but man, I, I think it, it's, it's probably when kids looked at that, they were like, oh God, I'm going to, if I, if I'm a high school student, I'm thinking, God, I'm going to play so much video games. Like I'm going to play my guitar. I'm going to do all that stuff. And then you do that the first three days and you go, oh my God, I still have four weeks left and I can't go to work. I can't go to the gym. I can't hang out with my friends. I can't go to the mall. And so then you're looking at that, that little schedule that says, oh, here's the, oh, this is the night owl thing. I'm used to being up late. I might as well do X, Y, or Z. I can see that having like a, a really cool appeal. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I dig that. So, to build off of that too, something that um, we've been having a lot of fun with is uh like Jackbox games, those like party games that you typically yes. like, play with. Like, How did that go? You know, you said you were going to play. Uh, uh, it's gone really well. Like, it's really. <laughs> I just been posting like every so many days, like, hey, come play Jackbox games with our conference software, and the kids have been loving that That's as like cool. a sense of community thing to do. It's like a team. Build. Our um, yeah, our esports team yeah, is yeah. Uh, hosting a uh, online Smash tournament. Any middle school or high schoolers that are interested, it's all online, so you can come. Uh, you can check my uh, Twitter handle um i can put it up um and also just like like any kind of games activities we even posted like uh like the harvard like open harvard edx courses Mm. um we had a lot of students that are interested in these like just really random things that you can learn about like uh there's like a justice course or even like computer science like these things that you would not think uh, I think that if you have a negative viewpoint of students, you might go like, no kid's going to want to do computer science when they have the day off. But it, I think many would be very surprised as you were just saying after day three, it's like, I will do anything yeah. as something to potentially entertain me. Um, Cause the kids have literally said that they've said that like, I am bored out of my mind, especially those that have um, no, no offense to siblings or family members, but many of them are annoyed by their siblings or family members. They need to find a spot where they can just like dig into like, their own isolation um, to get away from them. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's been an interesting side note. I see that Dan's back. Is everything working on your end, Dan? You want to finish talking about roosters and night owls? I don't even know when I got cut off. I was think I was just talking to no one for a while there. Oh <laughs> yeah. You dropped, you dropped shortly after, uh, after you made that comment about the different schedules and, and kids kind of being grateful for it. I didn't know what else you wanted to add to it. But, uh, but actually, exactly what, um, sorry, uh, uh, the last gentleman, is it Chris? Is that your name? Awesome. awesome. Same, same thing. I mean, the kids were just going crazy. They were so bored. I was texting with my advisory group and they were like, you know, when, when are we going to have something to do? And so, yeah, I think we, I think a lot of us, we assumed that when we went to online learning, there'd be a lot of resistance and a lot of like, oh, really? School while I'm sitting at home? And actually, they're, <laughs> they're like, thank God school's back. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, what's interesting too. Like, I think school's back for what, like school's back as a, like, because I, I can, it gives me the flexibility to what, like stretch myself, my own abilities. Is it connecting with that group? Like that's, that's the part that I'm really curious about. And that's, I guess the shift in my thinking over the last, the last hour in that has been, you know, like, what is, what is, what is this on, what's the purpose of this online school for? Is it to, is it a vehicle for content? Like, is it to um, assess and quiz and do all the things that you would do in a traditional classroom? Or has the purpose of it like shifted? Because it sounds like it has shifted in Chris's classroom. It sounds like it shifted for Tracy and Jeff and Dan. Have you noticed that shift too? Like you just, uh, the purpose of the learning is different. It gives kids it gives kids purpose, you know, where maybe their purpose w- was school before. What replaces that? They, the social is a big part of it, for sure. They they want to talk to their friends, which they could do anyway at home. But in a more formal setting, they like Google Meet. They like talking to their teachers. Maybe they wouldn't have admitted it before this. But no, no, most of them actually did. But 
they, you know, they, they like talking to us. They, I don't know the assessment part. I, I don't really, I'm still, I think the jury's still out on that one, but um, you know, I think less content with as much meaning as possible. And then the social aspect, I think that's what they're digging. They, 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 they want to do that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And I, and I wonder too, how in, in, as, as, as we kind of think ahead and we go to like unring the bell a little bit, like what, what parts as we transition back into quote unquote regular school, are we going to, what parts are we going to miss about the online learning environment and what parts are we going to need to look ahead and change? Like, like just, just as we've talked about at the beginning of this hour, everything is going to be different. You know, the, the economic system is going to be different. Um, the, the, I don't know, you know, everything about geopolitics is going to be different than it was beforehand. How can school survive this and be the same? So Tracy, do you want to, you want to chime in on that comment or, or say whatever you want to say? I've talked too much anyway. You just have to unmute yourself. How do I do that? Okay. Okay. I did that. No, you know, it really occurred to me during the conversation when everyone was talking is maybe we just need to do hybrid classes, like from here on out, like everything just morph because I don't think that like building the online community and then pulling it apart is healthy. I think that that's a very unhealthy, there are a lot of introverts that have probably come out of their shell online and felt more safe and comfortable. And I just, my gut feeling is that schools should morph into more of a hybrid learning. One of the schools that we have here that I know I've shared with Skylar and um, Nick and Chris, our JCFA, which is our alternative high school. And they go to class from nine to one, and then they work the rest of the day. And some of them, go, some of them bank hours and they'll do, they'll, they'll go to class like um, eight to 12 and then they work. And there's a hybrid com component that they could do at home to get ahead. And they just have to take their tests and quizzes in school. And so I'm seeing kind of, somebody was talking about um, the flexible schedules. I see a future where there's like flexible schedules in schools and maybe there's like, you know, a 10 hour period where it could be more flexible and that could help with childcare and it can also help keep this community that we're building. That's kind of where my mind has been. I'm kind of thinking about just building on what we have instead of, it seems like every, every political election, it's like, four years and then the next one comes in and they try to undo what the next one did. And, you know, and instead of like always trying to like tear down and build something better, it's like, let's just keep building forward. Absolutely. And I don't know, uh, fellow Jitzer, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure who you are, but you had your hand raised for that. So go, go ahead and, and introduce yourself and then let us know what, Uh, hi, I'm Mrs. Keisha. I'm from Hawaii. Um, so, you know, we face a lot of different challenges here and I must be in the wrong group because I'm a middle school teacher and you guys are talking high school and, you know, the capacity of your children is going to be a lot different than mine. Um, so we are a one school district state. So even though our school spans several islands and several different communities and several different eco-socionomic status, um, we are one school district. So when decisions are being made, they're being made for everyone at the same time. And that obviously adds a level of complexity. So our status is um, we went on to spring break on Friday and there was no announcement. There was no prior indication. We had a press conference from our governor on Sunday at 1.30 saying, students instead of coming back on the 23rd of March would return on the 30th of March. And then within 24, 48 hours, that was altered to April 7th. So we've had no preparation. We've had no indication. Um, we have give, been given no marching orders on how to proceed at all. Um, I work at a Title I school. I'm in the middle of seven low-income housing communities. Um, I can tell you right now, 40% of my kids will not have access to the internet or to devices. 
So for me, like I hear this, what you're saying, like let's build these awesome communities and let's not tear them apart. But for me, the reality is there's not gonna be a one size fits all at all. Like we might have to do packets. You know, we might have to um, offer online for kids who can do online, but we're gonna have a number of kids who cannot. Um, we also have one of the largest um, EL populations in the whole state of Hawaii. Um, we have cultural things that are a lot different here than the mainland. So, you know, um, we have a lot of multi-generational homes. We have, you know, like middle school children whose job will be to look after the younger children. We have parents who are working three jobs because they work in tourism and, you know, like the lower income job. So for us, I mean, we haven't even started this. That's why I'm so interested to hear that what you guys are already doing, what's in place and what direction you've been given, because we have been given zero so far and it's all just evolving. Um, but, you know, our challenges are going to be a lot different. And I, again, I don't think it's going to be as, as quick as like teaching our veteran teachers how to do Google Classroom and Zoom. It's going to be, you know, the 30 or 40 percent of the kids who just cannot even get access. Do we create packets? Are we just covering power standards? Like, how can we ethically pass them on to the next grade and give them the best opportunity? So we, we do start our school year early. We start August 1st. We end at the end of May. So we were able to complete our entire third quarter before um, spring break. So, I mean, I don't know where we're going to stand with national testing. I don't know where we're going to stand with the AP and the SAT exams and all these other things. But um, yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed hearing everybody's input. I just wanted to like speak up for my <laughs> represent the 50th state. Um, it's a very different challenge here. And notably, by the Friday when we were ending our school and nobody else had announced, all the private schools and the universities had already announced that they were going to discontinue in-face in learning. So, you know, all the, the schools who often have one-to-one -one or have that accessibility, right. they already made that, in, they already had a plan in place where all the public school people were just sent home and it's like, okay, we have like 14,000 teachers and we're not going to give you any direction and go enjoy your spring break. And then like, I'm literally getting news from news press conferences with the governor. I'm not getting communications from my principal or from my district supervisor. Like we're just really on the fly here. So that's why, again, I appreciate the um, the time and the space to, to hear from others. And I do I love all the teachers just putting free resources out there on Twitter. It's just awesome how people are standing together. But there's going to be so many varied ways of dealing with this situation. And um, you know, maybe in some districts, they're a little bit more cohesive in my district. It's hard to do that because of, um, just the variety of, of, of people and places and situations across our whole school district, which again is across like five or six islands and all kinds of other interesting challenges. So, yeah. Sounds like a perfect storm. Tracy, go ahead. Go ahead. What, uh, what, what do you want to say about that? Well, what I... I have a lot of compassion. I actually worked in a middle high school, so I do know that middle schoolers are very different. We had middle and high school like in different buildings. But what I want to say is I think I was more referring to when we were talking about the communities that were already built rather than like trying to build communities. I'm thinking about having compassion for the kids that have finally found their voice in the community and now we're going to take that from them. And then they're going to be back in the classroom. There's a certain energy that comes of freedom, even right now, like with us and this platform, you know, it would be different if we were face to face. And I'm not saying we wouldn't have the same conversation, but there's something, you know, different about being, you know, a virtual presence. Um, you know, so the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, our large district, our superintendent really didn't have a plan. He really isn't a visionary and he was waiting for other people's plan. He did go to packets where they are trying to have locations where parents can pick up packets of work or they could do like the bus drivers could deliver like food and packets. And then that goes to the whole like point of like worksheets and how effective, but at some point when you're in a crisis, you just have to act and you have to do things. And I'm really hoping that we learn from this and that 
everybody kind of comes together and says, okay, now we need to really plan for the next time this happens. And we can't say the next time isn't going to happen because we never thought this was going to happen. I never thought Katrina was going to happen. When I was in my twenties, we had hurricane parties. Um, and you know, we all went to people's houses where we are, we were waiting for the hurricane and it never came. So um, I have a lot of compassion for the situation you're in because I feel like you're not, you don't have a lot of leadership. And I think this is, that is the key word. I work in a situation right now where I feel like this office staff, not the doctors, because that's totally different, but I have a lack of leadership um, in my office and I have been a leader. And so I had to have a very honest conversation about what leaders do. The biggest thing that leaders do is they lead in the time of crisis. They're the calm. They're the person that everyone looks to. And it's not just the students, because I have adult students. I have students that are older than me that have sent me private messages. All of your ongoing support and understanding and compassion is really getting me through this. So I just have a lot of compassion for what you're going through, because I feel like it's twofold. You're in a situation where you have a lot of cultural differences, you have a lot of like poverty, and then you have a lack of leadership. So you're like in the perfect storm of just feeling, you know, very helpless. But I love how you're looking at the silver lining as the Twitter community, and that you're seeing that we're all here for you. And I have compiled like tons of resources. I know Chris, Nick, I mean, everybody has compiled resources. So, I mean, we're here for you, whatever you need, because I can't say you're ever going to get leadership if you don't have it now. And we're at this point. So, Thank you for that. So I don't know, Terry, uh, you've had your hand up over there. So, so you want to go ahead and, uh, and let us know what's on your mind? Oh no, did we lose Terry? Or maybe we can unmute Terry, I don't know. We'll give Terry a moment me? here. Yes, there you are, great. Let's, I, I, let's I have headphones in. Let me try the headphones again. I don't know if there's a speaker on them. Hold on, let me try again. Yeah, everything sounds fine on, on my end. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect, okay. Um, hi everybody. Um, I am not in the school district right now. I'm not in a classroom. I was in a classroom for 20 something years. Um, and then I was the personalized learning coach for several years. And I've uh, now gone out on my own. Um, but um, I'm, I'm very much an advocate for personalized learning. And I'm hearing you talking about um, flipping basically from the content to the what's actually going on, the context, and then making the disciplines fit into the context, <laughs> into the content that we teach, right? Um, and I hear, I'm so glad to hear from, I'm not sure, um, the woman from Hawaii, but um, it's it's good to be able to hear, um, you know, from your perspective, because, you know, we are very well connected. I'm in Florida, I'm, you know, we've got everything, you know, we've got delivery service and, you know, everything that we need here. So to hear, from you and the struggle that you're facing is is um, I'm I'm sorry that you're going through that, um, and I'm and I'm always looking for opportunities for children to have problem solving, <laughs> and I'm thinking about many of you are high school students, uh, teachers, and what if you connect, you know, your high school students to solve a real world problem, and that is these students that are not connected there. And it gives them an opportunity to study the culture that you're talking about where, um, you know, there's these multi-generational families living together. Um, it's a great opportunity for them to learn real world um, reasons to learn about these people. And then to do some creative problem solving on how, you know, like you're, the adults are doing the creative problem solving. And we have kids <laughs> who are sitting here and, they want to make a difference. And I'm the person sitting here too saying, okay, I'm not in a school. I'm, what can I do? You know, and I, the, the, you know, the big kid in me is coming out right now, but um, I mean, how can we connect the students that do have internet access um, in, in Hawaii with 
students who have access somewhere else and how can they learn from with each other and 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 talk about you know connecting and um you know really you know finding out how they can make the difference and, and not learning because i deserve to learn but learning because other people need me to learn so that i can make a difference and contribute something back yeah i think that's spot on scour do you want to maybe have the last comment on here and then we can we can start to wrap things up unless other people want to speak as well Sure, I was I was just gonna um, echo what uh, Terry was saying about uh, connecting students with internet access with those without. Where we that was something else that our students came up with because we have a few. Um, you know, we we only have thirty students, and uh, but we're in a rural district, and a handful of them don't have reliable internet access uh, other than their phones, and their phones aren't super reliable either. And uh, we did uh, a few of them did arrange to like meet at various times assuming that you know they're able to uh given the whatever the, the lockdown or quarantine procedures end up being but um i think that relying on those uh like community supports uh with that are already there are is really important to remember too absolutely and, and i think so what i think if there's a positive lining that comes out of any of this i mean obviously um, anytime that there's going to be kids left, left it stuck in the gap between, you know, online learning and the, the, the una, unavoidableness of, of school closures, I think is, is going to be a, a problem that we're going to have to overcome. But if the silver lining of this, if anything good comes out of it is knowing that it's going to take a big hybrid approach to meet all those kids. And, and maybe that's kind of the, the the thinking that was needed all along um and and maybe if the end result of this is that the more kids needs are met because we realize that we can't just be one-to-one -one or we can't just be physical materials um maybe there exists some alternate schedules for for kids to be in a physical space if they need it or an online space where they need it or flex some time so that way they can work a job or be the caretaker for their family um i think i think just the flexibility to come out of this might be you know a, a silver lining maybe not a month from now maybe not six months from now but maybe as we're planning for this is what if this happens again what if this reoccurs next winter you know what kinds of plans are we going to have in place to make sure you know that kids needs are met whether it's food or security or safety um and not just content or passing the test or you know uh they what ap or standardized or otherwise how are we just going to keep kids and communities connected and growing so maybe with that i'll let tracy have the have the last word and then we can all get around to our families and solving solving the world's problems uh, together here what do you think tracy well i think you made an excellent point and i just want to tell you that four months before hurricane katrina my friend came home and um said that we have no plan in place if we have a hurricane and i just met with all these people and told a bunch of people and everybody wrote it off and then we know it happened now that we're in this position and we've had this conversation and we're seeing the importance of like hybrid learning and maybe flexible schedules and you know all the things that we've discussed building communities and having resources for kids without resources i think we, we owe it to ourselves our students our community and the world to be advocating for that so not to be silent when all this is over, that we are mindful that this is our responsibility to now advocate for this and not forget that we're in this position. Because I can tell you 15 years after Katrina, a lot of people here are starting to take things for granted again. And I think this is probably bringing up a lot for people, but I think it's our responsibility to keep these conversations going when we go back to the new normal and really plan for this. I, I think that might just be a perfect ending note just to think, yeah, write about these experiences um, or, or or bottle them up and use that energy to transform something 
later on for kids, you know, um, elect people who are going to do right at the school board level, right? Um, bring, make, make politicians accountable to these issues, make, make uh, 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 teachers organizations accountable to these issues, you know, um, make, make everything uh, around this um, more accountable to kids and more accountable to, uh, to better outcomes for everybody. So um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining in, in the three C's tonight. Um, yeah, uh, be sure to, you know, you can follow me at Covington AHS and, and obviously at Humrez Pro for the Human Restoration Project. If you if you don't follow us already, I don't know how you found this link, but um, yeah, we'll stay in touch. I think I think we'll probably do a lot of talking in the next few weeks. But if you have questions, reach out. Uh, the the it, if we don't have each other, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a long time. So just thanks all for being here tonight and. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope you all have a good rest of the week. <laughs> so until until we we meet again, have, have a good night, everyone.